you, you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. <laughs> Welcome to Salt Lake Dirt. I'm your host, Kyler Bingham. Today on the show, I welcome Lauren Badillo Malisi. Her new book, Sad Sexy Catholic, recently came out on Clash Books. I'm going to read a little bit from the back cover here. It says, In this intimate collection of poetry, spells are cast, hearts are broken, and prayers go unanswered. Love this book. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Clash Books to begin with, and I'm always trying to keep an eye out to see what they're putting out. I saw the cover of this and I knew I had to check it out. Uh, and then when I got it in the mail, oh my gosh, just incredible stuff. Aesthetically, it, it's beautiful. It looks like a prayer book, pink pages. And then I, I just fell in love with, with the poems in here. I've read it twice so far. And um, I don't know a ton about poetry and I want to learn more, but this felt very accessible to me. And I I, like I said, I just fell in love with it. So I learned a lot from Lauren in this conversation. Really thrilled I got the chance to talk to her about process and, and you know how how she got to where she where she is now, um, and and just just all kinds of different things. We talk about you know slasher films. It's great. But let's go ahead and jump into it and talk to Lauren Badillo Malisi on the Salt Lake Dirt podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, we're here to talk about uh, your new book, Sad, Sexy Catholic, which um, it caught my eye. I always try to keep up on on Clash books, but uh, just the title and the cover alone grabbed my attention, and I figured, I, I think I'm going to like this. And of course, I, I did. I love it. I read it a couple times now. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's been great. I would just, I guess we could just start talking about uh, the book itself and kind of the, the genesis for it, how it, it all kind of started the, um, the process of it. Um, so I wrote Final Girl, uh, which is like my first chapbook that was with um, Big Lux books. Um, that was sort of like a response to, I was so I was assaulted in my MFA program and um was kind of trying to write my way out of that, like was going to therapy for the first time for all of like my trauma, like was just, it was so much at once and um, was also kind of just rebelling against like the workshops, which were like, write about mountains and like we're in West Virginia. So like, isn't everything so beautiful here? No, we live in Morgantown and everything is disgusting. Um, so, but sure. Let me romanticize like the bridge that people piss on. Sure. I, I will. Um, Western is a beautiful place. We were not living in a beautiful place. So before anyone comes to me about that, but so I was kind of, so it's kind of rebelling, um, against like the feedback I was being given and, but I knew what I was writing was good work. And so, and it was all about kind of like, here I am in this very terrible situation and I am gonna survive because that's all I've always done my whole life. And then that's actually Catholic is sort of like, okay, you've done the work, you've done all the therapy, you've done all the things. Now that you have the tools to survive, how do you live after that? How do you have relationships and 
deal with all of the other things come up when you're not in survival mode. So it's sort of like a sequel. Sort of a sequel. Yeah. And I, so I got, I, I got final, um, or sorry, what I'm saying it wrong. What is it? Uh, final girl. Yeah. I got final girl, uh, recently too. And I, I got that actually last weekend. So I read that and, um, I think that just the, the titles alone, I mean, the titles of the books and then the titles of the poems are, are awesome. Um, how do you, like, where do those come from? I know, I know with some of sad, sexy Catholic, a couple of them, um, you give acknowledgments in the end where you tell where they came from. Like, um, I forget the title exactly, but it's the, the reference to the, something about the Vatican. Uh, that one, that one grabbed my attention. Uh, so just the the titles, it was just really fun reading. Maybe fun's not the right word, but very interesting reading the titles of the poems before I jumped into the book. Uh, how do you how do you come up with titles? Um, titles are like it's funny because I was telling I taught a poetry workshop for the Poetry Society of New York like a few weeks ago, and I was like, "Look, y'all." When I can't think of a title, I open Spotify and I find a song that I think fits and then I just credit the artist later. Um, but I think growing up listening to Fall Off White and Paying the Disco and their ridiculously long like song <laughs> titles kind of like really like put like put it on my head of like, okay, a good title is important. Okay. Um, but like what um what I'm about to do is not has not been approved by the Vatican. I saw that on a Twitter account that's like um photo it's like photos before like something terrible happens um and I was like oh that's so sick like what happens after like and I was like oh, okay um but so oh that just that just happened to fit by like by chance um but uh other yeah I take a lot of inspiration from pop culture there's a lot I feel like a lot more pop culture titles I guess in this one and I try to credit everybody that I can um, but the title for the book was like a joke at first. I was like, oh, that's what I am. And then someone someone was like, that could be a good book title. And I was like, oh. and then I remember asking another poet friend. They were like, that title sucks. No one, <laughs> no one would read that. And I was just like, I think you're wrong, actually. And I'm going to go with it. They're totally yeah, wrong. <laughs> I would, yeah, yeah, I would totally pick that up off of the shelf. Because, I mean, Final Girl has been titled a bunch of times, but like, which I didn't even, I didn't know. I mean, at the time, that was my first chapbook, so I didn't, I didn't really think about that. Um, but there has been no sad, sexy Catholic. And when you Google that, I think Fleabag comes up because of mm -hmm. the hot priest and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's funny. So with like with the final girl, I was reading Mallory Smart's review of it from, from Maudlin House. And um, it was, so she was talking a lot about like the, fi the final girl in, in horror films like slasher mm -hmm. movies so was there was that in your head before or is it just kind of like was that kind of the premise of of that as you began that or was that more of an afterthought yeah i think there are i think there are horror movies behind me uh like horror is everything to me so that was definitely um i wrote an essay i don't think it's available online anymore because it was on birth movies death i'm not sure if birth movies death exists anymore um, those guys went to, on to do the new Fangoria stuff, but, um, I wrote about how like, ho like watching horror movies, like as like a teenager who had been assaulted, like really saved me and how I've always identified with the final girl, um, especially, um, Sally from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, so that was always like the, the, the kind of the through line of like, like survival, 
And like, I'm always the girl who like trips and falls and then like barely gets away. And um, so I feel like that kind of set the whole tone for the chapbook. And then it was beautifully published um, in print um, as like they call it a do-si-do with um, Emily O'Neill's uh, You Can't Pick Your Genre chapbook, which is always about Scream, the Scream franchise. So, which was just perfect. Oh, crazy because that book inspired me deciding to go full horror with Final Girl. And then it got published together. So oh, wow. that was like beautiful, like life comes full circle moment for me. Wow. And I was just like, I need to, I, I want to, have you seen Scream 6 yet? No, I need everyone to... I work with has already. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to go see it this weekend. Um, but tell me more about that, like how, because uh, I'm kind of just getting into horror now, and I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm a bit older, but I, I'm just, I'd love to hear more about how, how did like horror films, because there's, a, you know, there's a, there's two camps. There's a lot of people who, um, you know. And I grew up in a very religious household where like horror films are like every everything bad about, you know, the world, about, you know, satanic, whatever. So you have that. But then there's like such a, a thirst for like good horror films and, and like they're just so satisfying. So tell me about like when you were younger, when you're high school or, or teenager or whatever, uh, like what kind of drew you to that? And you said it kind of helped you. Uh, I, I'm just very curious about that. Well, I feel like my, so one of my favorite movies, which isn't really horror, but it's in the spooky genre is uh, Adam's Family Values. I and I love, um, love that movie so much. Um, and I remember like watching that like on TV, like with my parents, like there was always something weird on TV and I was always left alone in front of the TV. Like I like the, twi- I would feel like I was raised on the Twilight Zone. Yeah. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like it's a miracle that, that I'm normal because like, yeah, like, um oh and like um god what was the the sci-fi version of the twilight zone the Uh, outer limits outer outer limits yeah 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 and um just lots of reruns of really weird black and white like allegory shit and then um when at some point when i turned like 14 there was suddenly no parental lock on the tv in my room (laughs) and um we had direct tv actually no was it still dish network i think it was might have been still dish network and dish network had before it before it was bought by direct tv the movie choices were so wild like i think the first horror movie the first slasher i ever watched was jason x which is the worst one in the it's entire not- franchise. Um, it is pretty bad. Like, Jason Takes Manhattan is my favorite, even though he doesn't take Manhattan until, like, five minutes. Into, like, there's only five minutes of him actually in New York. Um, but I remember, like, I so I'd been, I was 15, I'd been assaulted, and was not, it's high school, I'm not taking it well. And so I'm going home, and I'm, I'm watching, I'm watching YouTube videos, trying to laugh, but then I'm also just, like, okay, well, it's nighttime and no one can, there's no, I'm in my room by myself. Like, what am I going to watch? And I remember watching The Descent and thinking, well, this sucks because she dies at the end. So like, does, I'm like watching these movies, like does every girl just die at the end? Like this sucks. And then Texas Chainsaw Massacre happens and I, and and Sally is on the back of the truck, like with the blood all over her face, like, like scream, like crying, laughing. And I'm like, oh, it's me. Okay. 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 So how do I, so what is this genre and how do I find a million other movies where the girls are all doing this at the end? And so that's kind of 
the kind of like my foray into horror. Like from there, it was like, oh, Scream is amazing because Sydney not only like like survives, we get to see her live her life throughout the franchise, which is annoying about this movie or about Scream Six because like she's not in it. Yeah. And so, and I feel like Wes Anderson, like or sorry, Wes Craven would not. Sorry, I, like I was writing about Wes Anderson for that would be a great that'd be a great mix. That'd be so good, right? <laughs> Wes Craven would not have stood for that. He would, because he, he, because I read so many interviews with him talking about how Sydney is the franchise. She is the literal heart of the franchise. So to, so I feel blasphemous to have a screen movie without her in it. Because the whole point for me is like, like it's so healing because, like, okay, she, the horrible stuff happens in Scream One. She still tries to go to college. She still decides to, even though she wants to live off the grid, she's still a crisis like hotline. Like, 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 uh, like that's what she's doing. Like for work, like she's still helping people. And then she's like, "Fuck that! Let me write a memoir." And then we like watch her like heal and like so cool. Um. So yeah. From so from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, from being mad at the descent. And then going into Texture and Tomatsuka, like, like, kind of, like, opened up my love of, like, slashers and, like, me really, like, like getting into, like, even, like, the really, like, crappy ones. Like, I guess the burning's not crappy. It's just, like, why does he look like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I get it. I'm, um, my, my buddy just got a film on Shudder, and so I'm kind of uh, interested in, like, I haven't really started, so I got I got a subscription to it, but I haven't really started watching anything on on Shutter. Do you, do you have Shutter? Do you recommend anything yeah. from that? Yeah, anything? Any recommends that are like specific that you could only find on Shutter? Uh, Tammy and the T Rex. That sounds good. <laughs> it is, it's Denise Richards and it's Paul Walker, and like he's like her, like like is it that? Trying to think of like the premise is so dumb, but basically <laughs> like he gets kidnapped and like murdered, and then like they put his head into like a T Rex's body, and like it's her and like the T Rex versus the world. I'm in. That sounds great. <laughs> and then um and then Daniel so Daniel isn't real. Daniel isn't real. Yes. 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 That's a that's that one has um oh my god Patrick Schwarzenegger and then. Miles Guthrie, who is Susan Sarandon's son. Um, that one is like an incredible allegory for mental health and and just like the like I think I wrote I think that was like my first thing I wrote for Paste, which was about how like it's actually a great allegory for BPD. Um, because BPD is like demonized in movies. I mean, and and I mean Daniel kind of is a demon essentially, but like it's such a great way to explain like like the like the true horrors of like of really like intense mental illnesses um and it's also just like i feel like no i have not seen another horror movie like that in like a very long time too so i, I don't know why miles guthrie isn't in more things because he was incredible cool i'll check it out yeah for sure so when did you start it sounds like you started writing pretty young when mm-hmm. like when did you start writing what were things that you were drawn to as far as what you were reading and, and made you kind of think hey i can I could maybe do this too. Uh, like, yeah. When did you start and and what were your, some of your influences? I have not been asked questions like this in so long. <laughs> no, I'm just like, oh yeah. Like hear the Beatles white album in the car. And those are all story songs, at least to me. I feel like yeah. that is probably the most like, like, yeah, both, both sides of that album. And um, so like, 
I would hear like listen to Rocky Raccoon and then I would like literally draw like a raccoon with like a Daniel Boone like cap on like and and I would write a little story like a little sequel like what happened to to Lil and Rocky like after you know he got shot like he lived and he um and I'm five at the time oh, writing wow. this stuff that's great and um and I so I can't tell you what happened between five and like twelve when like Fall Out Boy and Panic and My Chemical Romance and Say Anything and it like the the like emo really really like like grabbed me because it was like oh like I didn't know like you could hear songs on the radio that say stuff like this because um, like 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 I remember like the first time I ever heard Sugar We're Going Down and I'm sitting there and I'm like these are really intense lyrics for like a fun pop song. Like, and I remember like getting the the album and like sitting in my room and trying to dissect what I thought the lyrics meant, which I would do then when I ended up teaching poetry, I would like put a follow-up lyric on the board. I'd be like, what do we think this means? Um, so from there and trying to mimic that and then reading Pete Wentz used to have a live journal. Um, and I realized like, oh, the lowercase, lowercase letters and like the kind of no punctuation, like, okay, I've jacked his style a little bit. Um, but it was lyrics and then like his live journal. And then I didn't really get into like reading poetry until undergrad when I thought I was going to be a fiction writer. And I had um, a poetry like professor be like, no, 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 you're a poet. Like you're like, this is good. Like you should like, yes. And I was like, oh, okay, 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 okay maybe I'll do that then. Um, and started reading Crush by Richard Sykin, which is my favorite poetry collection of like all time. Mm. Oh my goodness. That is one of the greatest. Um, I'm trying to think what else I was reading. Oh yeah. Emily O'Neill. Um, and then also Elle Nash um, had her uh, tarot inspired like poetry chapbook. Um, and um, it's funny because Elle just interviewed me and I was just like, no, cool. no, no, you're why I'm here. Like, I love <laughs> she's your, great. your favorite book. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, yeah. So it's like, I can think of specific eras in my life where like, yeah, it's, it's, it's always music has been and like pop culture in general, just hearing a line in a movie and be the fact that I can just like, you can like, like you can build a whole poem about that. You could build a story around that. Um like is so fun and cool and I wished we had learned more about that like in my what did I really learn in my MFA I couldn't really tell you um <laughs> and I still don't know how to write a sestina and I've never written on it so I don't even but, know what that um, is so that hey you're you're ahead of me <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what a is and I have a degree in it um but I remember telling my students I was like look we're not doing anything related to form. If you're here for because you want to do like some classic Shakespeare shit, I cannot help you. This is not the class for you. I'm not learning about any of that. Um, but I guess this is a long-winded way of saying like, I mean, like I'm like sitting by like what inspires me. Like it, it's like in everything. And so like for like Skinnamarink, like I wanted to write 85 poems after watching that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's no that's a that's a great that's a great answer uh i okay so i i can't help but notice all the vhs <laughs> the collection of vhs uh movies yeah. you have behind you i love that you have because i have my vhs collection as well um any like favorites like where the tape is you know about to snap because it's been watched so many times uh the crow is in pretty bad shape because <laughs> i have watched it so many times i feel like 
like there's some movies where they're just meant to be watched on that low quality like grainy like I and like the crow is one of them the first dream is one of them um I have night of the living dead and like pet cemetery and then I have like the unrated version of the exorcist and like which has the like the her going down the stairs which like wasn't in the theatrical cut and I feel like it's so scary watching it on very low quality and then like knowing that but then sometimes the tape skips and you're like oh my god like okay great and pause there's a there's a ghost in my house fuck like okay um I feel like that's such a great, it's such a great way to watch horror because it gives you like, I feel like the full like effect. Um, and so, yeah, The Crow is probably my most watched just because I, for some reason it makes it even more emotional on like a really like crappy, crappy quality. No, I, I agree. I used to have like the a bunch of the Friday the 13th uh, on VHS and I would rewatch those and or just even kind of have them like on in the background. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was just, um, yeah, I totally agree. There's certain movies just for whatever reason, they just work. It seems like they work better on that, on that format. Uh, I love it. Okay. I, so I'm trying to figure out where, what part of the country you live in. So you're, I know you're on the East coast and I, I did, you know, just a little bit of research. So there's a lot of different States, um, that you lived in. So I've just kind of give me like the, the quick trajectory. You were born in New Jersey. You were raised in Florida. Um, mm-hmm. and then West Virginia was popping up and then yeah. there was a poem now about I'm... where, yeah. Where are you now? <laughs> oh, I'm in Detroit. You're in Detroit. Okay. Okay. Um, well, where in Florida did you grow up? Uh, so South Florida. So Pembroke Pines is like in between Miami, Miami and Fort Lauderdale. It's where, um, you know, the movie Bully or the, yeah, the, yeah. the about those kids who decided yeah. to kill their friends. He was horrible. That happened not not far from from where I live. And then also the Hollywood Mall where Adam Walsh's kid was kidnapped. Not far from oh, wow. me either. Um, that's just a scary parking lot now. That was like one of the worst things to drive by because they they decided to just do nothing with it. I don't blame them, but it is the scariest parking empty parking lot I've ever seen. Um, but so I'm always like, oh yeah, there, but people you, but, or I just go, oh yeah, you know, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, you know, um, but, it, but even though it's a 45 minute drive to either Miami or Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Well, it, it, my, that, those places sound more fun, <laughs> I guess, if you, you don't want to get into the dark, the dark yeah. history, but it is like you go to any, any town. I mean, I guess you go anywhere and there's horrible things happening, but when you like, I'm always fascinated by like the smaller areas kind of outside of a, a main city and just kind of the weird, like, so I live in Utah and some of the weird stuff that happens here, you know, I mean, there's been plenty of books written about it, uh, plenty of docu-series and, you know, but yeah, it, it's just, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have a question in that. Just, just fascinating. I looked, I looked into there. You what? I looked into into moving to Salt Lake City. Oh um, yeah, and one of my friends was like, "All the bars close at like 8 p.m. here, Lauren." It's not true. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and but I when I was still applying to academic jobs, I was like, "Oh, like it's so pretty over there," because I like have a lot of friends actually who like live over there and like love it, and I'm uh-huh. like never. Been. But I'm like, yeah, sure, I can I can battle the Mormons. Yeah, it's not, and especially so. I live in this. I live in Salt Lake City, you know, and uh-huh. it's um, it's it's not bad. It's like, I would say half and half, 
you know, as far okay. as that goes. Maybe, yeah, maybe even, you know, heathens are starting to overtake just a little bit. But, the, <laughs> you know, especially in the last 10 years, it's really become, you know, kind of a cool place, I think. Uh, I hated it growing up here. And then, like a lot of people, you hate where you grow up. And then you, I left a couple times in my 20s and then kind of settled back here. Um, but yeah, there's a, like, you can find your place here. You know what I mean? And the bars close at one. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's not, it's not too bad, but it is beautiful. I mean, it's, it's, it's an incredible place, but, and it's bizarre in its own kind of weird way. So if you can yeah. <laughs> embrace that, the, the bizarre mm-hmm. nature of it. Uh, yeah, but that you should check it out sometime. Um, it's, it's definitely a unique place. Um, so, okay. So you're, you're in Detroit. What brought you to Detroit? What made you land there? Um, I, it's fine. Cause I feel like I'm stuck here momentarily because I now have a job where I work from home so I can live anywhere, live anywhere with it, within reason. Right. Um, but I had taken the, I lived in West Virginia for about five years and I had taken the first job I was offered. Like, and I'm, and I had, a friend who like lived here um, and or a best friend who lived here. And I was like, Oh, I do like this area. So why not? And so I moved for that terrible job, quit that terrible job after about two months, like rage quit with no savings, no plan started freelancing somehow landed on an entertainment writing job. Amazingly. Um, Cause I had been freelancing for like, like on and off, like for so long, but I never realized like I could actually do something with that. I just like, people want to pay me to like say like that. I like skin and Like that's cool. Um, so I'm like, I'm like, it's, and so I live in my cute little apartment with my two cats and that I adopted in West Virginia. Um, it's like the best thing. Forget my, forget my MFA and like whatever friendship I forge there, the cats are the best part about that state. Um, <laughs> So I don't, I don't know where I'm going to live next. Like, this is my favorite place I've probably ever lived just because like the food is incredible. And uh-huh. I'm like, I'm, and everyone's like, oh, the winters are so bad. After you've survived a winter on like in a mountainous region, you can survive winter anywhere. Yeah. So, but I just, I just visited Jersey, see my aunt and like, I'm like, oh, fuck, I want to move back there. So bad. But like. <laughs> I need, I need, I need like more money, I guess. So I'm just like, like looking around, what do I do now? So I have no idea, but it's not a bad place. It's not a bad place to be stuck. And I have like some friends who are awesome and, and every band comes here. Why? I don't yeah. know, but they all come No, I mean, there's like, there's, I mean, the, the huge mi- musical history there and, you know, you got mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of great stuff. You know, I was just like third man records and really, mm-hmm. you know, Jack White and all that. Um, yeah, very cool. So you're so you do like um, TV film writing. Uh, yeah, tell me tell me about that. So uh, I, these are things that I wasn't familiar with. Like G- Games Radar Plus, is that what? Mm-hmm. And then Total yeah. Total Film. Uh, so tell us about that, and tell us about what you. Uh, that sounds really interesting to me. What you do? What you do for them? So it's like it's funny because like even my, my coworkers, we all we're all like, how do we explain that it's Games Radar and Total Film are the same thing but different? So Total Film is a print magazine in the UK. So I'm the only American on the entertainment team. Um and but Games Radar is sort of like the global hub for all the Total Films online coverage. 
Um, so Total Film has two separate teams, the print team and then the online team. And I'm the only American, which has been really fun because um, there's like the game side of, of work and there there's like a bunch of Americans. But like I'm just so tickled by like all the stuff I've learned um, and all of like the UK, like politics and everything. Um, but um, yeah, I, I get to work from home. I, I get to like clock in and like write some, like news stories. But then I also get to like write really fun features. Like I got to write about why Skinnerink uh, made me think about all of the nightmares I used to have growing up in the house in New Jersey. Um, and you know, I got to write about um, why The Crow does deserve a big, huge Hollywood budget remake because the the source material is so complex and so good. Um, so I'm like, I really lucked out in that, like, I get to just like, like, okay, write news, and then I get to do a lot of really cool interviews. Um, like, I got to um, interview Troy Baker, who is the voice of Joel in the last of us games and uh he's in the the new series and then I got to get to interview Kiva Schaefer who is on one third of the Lonely Island and like I've been a Lonely Island fan since high school I have this I have the awesome town shirt and everything <laughs> and I and I had to bring that up during the interview I had to be like so when are we getting that awesome town pilot turned into a show like he was like oh, oh my god <laughs> so it's so it's been really really fun um, it's been about a year. And before that, I was just like trying to write like I like I have a byline in Fangoria, I have a byline in Pace, I have a byline in um uh like a vulture somehow. Um so just do just like like doing all when people ask me like how to get started in that, I'm like, are you a nerd and do you like talking about things you like? People will pay you to talk about those <laughs> things if you can put a good spin on it. So Yeah. No, it's so true. Yeah. Uh, very cool. Um well, yeah, I, I I forgot. So I, I I messaged you earlier. I would love you to like because I want people to to check out um, Sad Sexy Catholic. So I would love if you read you know one or even two uh, selections for it. your 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 call totally. Um, and I have my book here too. So just tell me the page number and I'll hop to it. So I figured like for promotional sake, I could read the title poem. Um, which is on page 39 and, oh, and I, and only a few people have, have pointed this out. Only the Hispanics have pointed this out. And I'm like, yes, that <laughs> the book is, it's formatted like a prayer book with these blank pages. So you can write on it. Right. Like, and, and people are like, wait, we're allowed to do that. I'm like, it's yes. Like, <laughs> like you're like, 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 like, that's what I want you to do. Yeah, that's uh -huh. so cool. Yeah, no, it took me a minute, uh, you know, a while of reading, and then I'm like, yeah, I think this is like a prayer book. <laughs> that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, I'm glad you said very that because I was like, yeah, very cool. Okay, right. yeah, I whenever you're ready. Good. Yeah, that, that'd be great. Then I'll read like another one that like maybe doesn't get as much love as I would like it to. Okay, Sad Sexy Catholic. I was God's favorite once. Enough schoolgirl in me to make Mary sweat. Not a fall from grace, but something sweeter. An unlit cigarette wedged between two adolescent fingers and the skin like bruised fruit. Now, the only notion of holy pressed between opaque pages or bound at the wrists, the sacrament of confession, or the first time I ran my tongue along someone else's teeth. Enough obedience in me to serve man, to kneel in velvet and say a little prayer 
for every single bead of sweat. That's beautiful. I, I love that. I love that. Thank you. I haven't. And it's so it's so great hearing someone read their own work too. You know, I I absolutely adore that. Thank you. Um, okay, I wrote. There's one in here. If it's funny, because people people have asked me like, "What's your favorite one to read?" And I'm like, I wrote one literally to be read in like a bitchy southern accent because <laughs> I had gotten fucked over by this guy from Georgia, and this is during the. <laughs> And so this is, this, is the, this is on page 29. This is the poem, Your Ex-Girlfriend Comes to Me in a Dream and Reminds Me That I Ain't Shit. And um, suddenly I'm talking to this guy and he's like, he has like this cult of ex-girlfriends and a bunch of them are like these little Southern bells. And I'm like, what am I doing here? What are all of you doing here? Why are all of us here? And it was just like, it was so fucking weird. Um, so I'll read, I'll, read, I'll read that one. Where's that? What page is that one on? Uh, page 29. Okay. So, your ex-girlfriend comes to me in a dream and reminds me that I ain't shit. No, darling, we all want the fairy tale. Each of us done up and dressed in our Sunday's best because we just can't wait to meet his mama. Do you feel held by him? Yeah, us too. You're not the only one who thinks his voice sounds like summer or that his eyes are so fucking blue you could drown in them or whatever cliche bullshit you purred into the phone at four in the morning because you like that he makes you lose sleep. There's nothing diamond about you. Nothing pretty you could say to make him pick you first. He's perfect. Made of the same plastic that makes Ken dolls melt in the sun, leaving all the Barbies to wonder. Wow. That's a, that's great. And, and hearing that's so, yeah, that is so weird. <laughs> a cult of ex-girlfriends. That's uh, I haven't heard of that one. That's a, that's pretty wild. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Sometimes you meet the nice guy and, and it's funny because I either meet the nice guy who's like, who's like, I'm so nice. And, and I'm like, okay. And then you, and he's like, I have great relationship with all my ex-girlfriends. And then you're like, Oh, like they're active participants in your life. <laughs> That's weird. So that's that's a big element that actually a, a a a girl that I didn't even know like I like now we're now we're friends because she she was like so I hope this isn't weird but like I find that the recurring element in in sex as a Catholic is that like like the the speaker wants to like wants to be like girl power but like she's also distrusting of all these women I'm like where did, how did you that is some close reading um, so that poem. <laughs> That was one of like the first, I want to say one of the first poems, but like that was one that I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, this is, yeah, this is the speaker is trying to navigate like life post, like doing all this work on herself. And now she's like in like the real world and these real romantic situations and they suck. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm just so curious, like how, how do you even, I mean, I know writing a poem or writing, doing anything creative artistic is is not there's not a formula for it like everyone does it differently um and sometimes you can't even explain how you do it but uh like how how do you even be when you want to write something i guess i'm curious because i haven't talked to a lot of uh people who who've published poetry but I'm, i'm just really curious how do you how do you start a poem like do you need to be is how is it different from writing when you were writing fiction um do you have to be in like a certain um, 
headspace, like environment, time of day? Is it more specific um, than writing fiction? Like, how do you how does how do you even start writing a poem? <laughs> That is a great question because I always say like I can never write what I want to write about. I, it's like if I wanted to sit down and write a poem about like I don't know like a mountain or something, I wouldn't be able to do it. Like the, it, whatever comes out is what comes out, and I feel like I have no control over it. Because um, sometimes, so it's like sometimes I'll be trying to write about one thing, and then like oh, I guess I guess the muse wants me to talk about this guy that I still have beef with. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. Or this girl that I still have beat with, or this girl that I was in love with, and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's funny though, because like the the only like the true the true queers have 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 been able to point out which poems are like the queer poems in the book. And I'm like, thank you. We're all doing close reading. Um, <laughs> That's great. It, it's like it's for some reason when I, no matter what, when I sit down to write, it's like it's never it's 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 usually starts with like 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 I don't know, I'll put like anyway, comma, and then just start bitching about something and then suddenly the bitching becomes like pretty and I'm like oh okay you've got some imagery in here um there are poems that should have been in this book that I could not I just could not finish and um didn't finish until recently and it'll be in like book three um but and it's and I and I'm glad because like they don't actually fit this book I feel like book three is very much like um it's my like most mature sounding. It's like my, and, and, and I didn't need, and like, those are poems that I made myself sit down to like work on, which is something that like, I don't really do either. I get either gets written in one fell swoop or I don't look at it for a year. Mm. Um, and like these, I'm like, I like made myself sit down and was like, okay. Um, and like these though, I mean, some of these I wrote in my MFA workshop and then some of these I wrote during the pandemic and they just like a, a lot of the times the poem just appears it just starts talking and I can't tell it to do anything I want it to do like what if this is a poem about something else no we have to we started here so we have to we have to do this and I'm just like I thought I thought going to grad school for three years would help break me out of that and it did not I think it just made it worse um like when your teacher is like okay like we're all gonna write about this and then we're gonna share it I don't want to write about that mm. I don't want to so the poem's not going to be about that. I'm really sorry, Marianne, but it's not going to be about that. Um, so how do I write a poem? I just I just start bitching, and then I have no literal. It's it's like some it's like another Lauren takes over and starts writing, and I can't say anything to her. That's yeah. So it's like it's it's like you know it, it needs to be said. It needs to come out, or it's coming yeah. to you. That yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I talked to a lot of you know fiction writers who say you know something something kind of similar. Uh, you know, that's so interesting. I think w- what I l- really love about your stuff is I forget who said it. Some musician was talking about like, and he, he, he would write songs that were you know, like telling stories. Um, I wish I remember who it was, but he said like a good, a good song is telling a story, but it's vague enough that it can become like the story of the, of the listener, uh, something to that effect. So I feel like at least that's how what I got from your work was these were these were poems that were telling a story, but it was leaving it enough open to interpretation that I could kind of create a bit of my own story in it, which I just think is such a beautiful way to like include a reader where it's like this is I'm this is mine, but I'm I'm 
generous enough to give it <laughs> to you as well. Uh, so yeah, I just I just think it's beautiful when it's um, and there's like some mystery to it, uh, and it makes you think about it. Like I've been thinking about them. Like I said, I've read it twice now, and I've been. It just makes you think, which is a, a good like a sign of quality art right there. If you can make the the recipient um, think about it beyond when they're just reading it. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's see. Um, I love your your social media handle, Motel Siren. Tell me, where did that come from? It's funny because people who have never heard of me before, so, so the book is doing well, and I didn't anticipate that. And so I have people who never heard of me before. They're like, oh, my God, like, your screening makes so much sense with, like, the book. And I'm like, that's so funny because literally thought of it in, like, 2013 it was supposed to be like a Lana Del Rey fan account name because she has nice. a song called Motel Sex and then she has her first EP is called Siren and it's her on an acoustic guitar and so I combined the two and I didn't realize that a Motel Siren is actually a thing it is like a euphemism for sex worker. And, you know, at 19, I didn't realize that. And and I was like funny because I was stripping at the time too. So like, there's like, oh, this irony that I didn't realize. But um, when I think about it, it's like, just like, when you think of motels are trashy and they're like these little, like, or they can be these little gross places um, where you go for an hour and blah, blah, blah. And then sirens are these beautiful, majestic women who, who lured sailors to their death. So like put it so I I like to say trash magic a lot too, which I think is also a Lana Del Rey song. God. Um <laughs> well, unreleased though. This is all unreleased Lana. Um, but like the concept of something being trash and also magical. Um, which I feel like is what I am. Like because I'm like, I am not classy, but like I but I'm like my own brand of like like I don't know, like fun trash, I feel like. Um, like, um, there's an artist called Gloom. She calls herself like the Walmart Marilyn Monroe. And I'm like, I love that. That's okay. Yes. Like that's yes. So I like, I like, I like the juxtaposition of like something like, like kind of gross, like a, like a, like a blood stained, like a gross, like carpet in like a shitty motel. And then like a mermaid on the rocks with her hair blowing the breeze. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I mean, it just cre it creates a visual, even, but that, yeah, very Lana Del Rey. That 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 all kind of connects. That makes, I love, I love her. Um, I'm hopping around a bit, but I'm just flipping through the book again, and I think there's a, f I have a few favorites, but I one that I really liked for I don't, and I can't even explain why I liked it, uh, but bright white light was one that I really, I really like page 63. Um, and I know like you don't need to explain like a poem if you don't want to, because that, if that pulls away from, you know, the magic or the mystery of it, but uh, that was, I don't know. I just love this one, bright white light. And um, I don't know if, do you want to talk about it? It's totally up to you. <laughs> talk about it this is one of the poems where so i i studied with mary and salmon in my mfa and so i will say what i got from her was the list poem but 
basically taking like very like lines that seem kind of randomized and then kind of fitting them together like a puzzle. And so I was really, really, really into um, Last Packet on the left at this point when I wrote this. And um, so we've got like, we've got freaking, we got biblical allegory, but we also have Mothman in here. Like, and I'm a Mothman hater and I'll blame that on this, on the state of West Virginia. But like, I was, I was just like, like when, you know, when, when a UFO comes, you see a bright white light and then all of like the really weird, absurd things that come with like being in like the paranormal world. Um, and so it basically, it's just like every like weird thing I've ever heard in a podcast. Um, like, and like, or have read about, cause the thing I love to do is like, what was I doing on the plane the other day? I was literally like going through like the list of kidnappings, Wikipedia and just like, <laughs> just being like oh my god like blah blah especially when they're they're unsolved or like they're like unsolved mysteries is like like my greatest love and like my biggest nightmare because like there's so much shit that like doesn't make sense and it's still unsolved and when and then robert stack's creepy ass voice like oh like so basically so rare light is sort of like unsolved mysteries in a poem um and um yeah, when the like the line when the bridge collapsed, no one blamed God. No one blamed God. Everyone blamed the Mothman. They were like, "Yeah, that's totally yeah, no, 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 no. That makes perfect sense." He flew above the bridge and he snapped those lines, and everyone died. Like totally, and and people just accepted that. When you go visit that part of the state, people are like, "Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely." Like, they to- yeah, totally. So they totally believe that a lot of people. <laughs> yes, I remember running into a couple who has been in Point Pleasant for their entire lives. I think they're in their 80s now. And the guy was like, oh, yes. Oh, my. It was, of course, it was the Mothman. And I was just like, oh, like, Bill, what the fuck do you mean? <laughs> like, they, like, the foundations were wrong. Like, the the way it was constructed, it was not constructed to hold weight. There was like, he's like, no, 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 no. He's been terrorizing us for however long. It was the Mothman. I'm like sitting here at a diner just talking to this random couple like like oh these are like like you like as i you'll meet people who are like staunch believers in god and then and then i you start to grow up and you start to move and go to different places and you meet people who are staunch believers in the paranormal and in these like things and like and they talk about it as if it's like just part of daily life and i was so like like be like bewildered and amazed bill and tina from Point Pleasant, West Virginia. If you're out there, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you changed my whole life with that shit. Um, it was really wild to to you know. And here in the Midwest, there's a lot of lore, and there are people who really like swear on this thing that they have known their whole life growing up, and it's just kind of like, okay, okay. So that's kind of what that poem is about. There's a lot of that I think throughout the whole book is like this like whole thing of like well like you know what do you believe in do you still believe like what about all the weird shit that you had to like like because catholics are so metal and they're so weird and yet like you grow up with all this guilt and all of this like oh like 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 i don't know if there's a heaven or hell but sometimes i'm still like huh am i going to hell (laughs) probably right that exists right like yeah and then it's just kind of like why am i thinking this and I feel like that's that's kind of like just like the weird like beliefs that like people like hold on to like are kind of like a whole thread for this whole like little book. So. Yeah. So did you grow up very, very religious as a kid? Was a lot of that 
put into you. It seems, I mean, you seem, you know, your stuff. So yeah. So, so, so yes, I take that as a, maybe yeah, to, um, <laughs> I, the, the funny thing is, so my grandmother Gladys, so my mom is Puerto Rican and, um, my dad is Italian. So, um, and I feel like Hispanics and, and Italians are the most hardcore when it comes to religion, at least that I've experienced. And so my grandma was like doing, she was practicing Santeria in the, in a village in Puerto Rico. And she stumbled upon someone doing some like real fucked up shit. I think she stumbled upon someone doing Palo Mayombe because that's like some really macabre, like you got to sacrifice an animal type shit. So I think she saw some horrifying shit and was like, nope, fuck this, I'm out. And then when she um, immigrated to New Jersey, she converted to Catholicism, but that didn't stop anyone from going to her house to get blessed or cleansed or get the, get the mal de ojo cleansed from you, get an egg cleanse, get your aura red. Like she never stopped being a witch. And Catholics are so witchy like they just are <laughs> and um so i grew up having to do all the sacraments having to you know communion and all and confirmation and blah 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 and then my dad's like my dad's like you know like the, the, the title of the book is funny because you you didn't you stopped being catholic when you were like 16 i'm like yeah when you guys let me have agency to finally choose what i wanted to do um but it like never goes away right because because saints in uh, in like catholic saints are viewed as like mystics or witches and other religions like like you could i don't know you could literally go to an etsy shop like that like someone who practices like a form of like witchcraft or mysticism like and you can see like oh they have like a, a, can a spell candle for like maybe like saint rita and it's just kind of like huh and it's like oh well in other religious and other beliefs she's like this mystical woman of like um impossible causes and then not really like a saint and i that blew my mind when i like first like found that and so now i feel like my spirituality is like everywhere because like when you when you when you think about it like we're all like kind of worshiping the same shit just in a diff just told in a different way mm -hmm. and um for sure so my dad calls me a heathen but i'm like bro like i pray every single night um i just don't believe in the whole like one god i think that we all have our own spiritual teams and that like that's who's pulling for us like um and that's more of an individual experience rather than like a ghost sit in a pew with a bunch of people so yeah so it, so it sounds like he's calling calling you a heathen in a in a kind of a, a playful way, like a <laughs> endearing way. Maybe not. Is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he, I'm like, I'm like, I like, yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, you pray every night, Bob. I'm, I don't know if you do. Like, I don't know. Like when I was in Paris, the crazy because so Rita is my like when you when you get confirmed, you have your little confirmation name. You pick a saint. So mine was Saint Rita, patron saint of impossible causes. She's also the patron saint for like women who've been like abused and stuff and um we were staying rant just right near the the, the saint rita temple in paris and i was like we were walking by my sister and i and i see it and i'm just like screaming like like there's no fucking way like there's no fucking way and i went in and we lit a candle and did all the thing and um and like the rosary beads are like rose scented the candle like it was just all all this stuff and um, I was like, yeah, Bob, I went to a temple <laughs> for a saint in Paris, like, and I'm the heathen. Okay. <laughs> but um, 
it's just like it's just interesting because it's like you have like I have loved ones who passed who like they went to their graves like believing in that and so in a way like I still do Catholicy things to like honor their memory mm-hmm. um but but people are like oh people are like oh Catholic being Catholic's a trend right now and I'm like I lived this <laughs> I lived this shit all right I I lived it from the moment I went to a Catholic school when I was a little girl. I got yelled at by nuns. Like I lived it, baby. So <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it looks pretty and stuff to like the Zoomers, but like, I was like, just wait till you read. I, <laughs> I didn't know it was a trend. I mean, I guess, uh, the, is it, are people kind of like, like yeah. latching onto like the ritual and just like the, the, the iconic nature of Catholicism? And, and, the, and like this shit, like this, yeah, I, when I, I, <laughs> I want. I planned all of this without knowing it was a trend. That just happened to have been like really weird, good timing. Maybe you but started I the trend. <laughs> maybe I, I remember. Yeah, I remember saying to Joel, who is um, who did the artwork for this. I was like, I was like Catholic vaporwave. He was like, what? And I was like, okay, vaporwave. But like, it's Catholic vaporwave. And he was like, again, what? And then it managed to like make it like perfect. But like. Cause that, that's kind of, that's kind of what it is. And people are really obsessed with like the aesthetics of it. And like now, now like stores are selling rosary beads you can wear. I was like, you know, I was raised Catholic when I will not wear a rosary around my neck. Cause we were told in kindergarten that you cannot do that. And that it is bad and blah, blah. And I still can't, I still can't make myself do it. Like Madonna used to do it all the time. Yeah, I can't do it. And I'm just like, like I, I won't even, I won't hang a cross upside down either. Like, 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 like a little horror girl me will not, will not hang a cross upside down because of like how I was raised. But these zoomers are like, oh my god, the aesthetics <laughs> are so cool, and like crying saints is so cool, and blah blah. And I'm like, yeah, it is pretty cool. It's pretty metal, but like, do some googling about the Catholic Church, please, and learn, <laughs> and then then decide for yourself how 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 much you like it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, so one thing I love is a little card that comes in. Does this come in with the book or did, or does this come with just the clash thing that I got? But, um, that's the clash orders, uh, which was like, so yeah, it comes with a sticker and it comes with a little, little prayer card bookmark. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah I'll have to post a picture of this, this little, really cool prayer card. Um, yeah, just like so. Yeah, you you talked about the your illustrator, um, and and I guess we've touched on it a bit of being like the prayer book, but just the the aesthetic, like the pink the pink pages. There's so much going on. Yeah, uh, tell me. I mean, I don't know. Is that just like oh, this looks cool, pink pages, or um, prayer books have different colors too, right? Or am I am I yeah. wrong? Okay. No, you're right. I it's funny because I first wanted it to be black on white, and like at least at least when we were first designing it, and and Joel was like, "That is so hot topic looking," and I was like, <laughs> "Yay, exactly." And he's like, "No, no, no. What if it's pink?" And I'm like, "Okay." And then Lisa was like, "What if the pages were pink?" And I was like, "The pages. We can make the pages pink." what do you mean not real and and then they were pink and i was like in like the mock-up and i was just like holy shit like you know because if, if the cover itself wasn't going to be pink like i like 
okay, we'll go with pink pages. Like, hell yeah. Cause yeah, cause it was supposed to be black and pink. Yeah. And, and they're like, that's a little hot topic looking. And I'm like, but yes, exactly. Like, cause my whole thing was like, wouldn't you pick a pink book off of the shelf? And so the fact that the pages are pink is like, and it was like, oh, it's only gonna be like $2 more. Like with me, I was like, okay. So it's like a dream. And I think then Elle had asked me like, what do you, what, what, what do you kind of want the pink pages to evoke? And I'm like, I think the book would still work even if it wasn't pink, but like it's, it kind of emphasizes that like divine feminine kind of thing. Um, like the speaker is trying to see herself as this divine feminine being. And so there are poems where I think the speaker sounds very, very, very a little, maybe too confident. And um, she's trying to embody like, uh, and it's just kind of like, yeah, how well does that, how well does that work for you, honey? And by the, by the end of, by the end of the book, we're like, <laughs> like someone asked me if the poem is about revenge. Like what's not approved. And I'm like, well, in the, in the game, I, he kind of just thought I took, it's from a flash game. In the game, he kind of just says that. And then some fucked up shit happens for me. Like I was ending things with that guy with the cult of the ex-girlfriend. <laughs> and, and I felt like I was ushering in like a new cycle of my life and I feel like reading that poem on a pink page kind of just reinforces like the the fem the divine feminine energy of like like she's crazy but like she thinks in her head that she is like this like magical being there are there's a halo above her head and she's doing all the right things even though she's not so well it's it's incredible I mean I don't I don't think I've ever had a book with pink pages before so this is <laughs> this is a standout that's definitely going to be uh in my collection for a long time um well yeah i think we, we've about hit our hour here lauren this was this was a lot of fun uh i i absolutely love the book uh everyone's sad sexy catholic it's on uh clash books i'll put links uh where people can pick up a copy um any any places you like you want to mention that people can find you you talked about your um your instagram your twitter at motel siren uh they can find you there anywhere else um you'd like to um, plug while we're at it well i guess like i have a dot com which is com, but that's just like a cute little carousel of like all my favorite features that i've written um and that's like i think i have a link tree and that's also link tree dash motel siren but like you just Google me. I'll come up. You're there. <laughs> yeah. There's another Laura Malisi who literally has been like given like presidential honors because she's a Coast Guard. I am not her. She is she's doing a lot cooler shit than me. Um saving lives and making America safer. So you could follow her too if you if you wanted. Yeah, follow her too, but she doesn't have a book that has pink pages. So, you know, whatever. No. She, she just had like Kamala Harris like honor her in like some big yeah. speech. So, no big deal. No big deal. No pink pages, but yeah. Um, but yeah, again, in all seriousness, I, I love it. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to be thinking about it, I, I think, for a long time and, and rereading it. It's just a beautiful, beautiful book on all levels like aesthetically and the words the, the emotions that that it evokes uh, so thank you so much for for writing it and then i really look forward to i know this just came out last month so no pressure but i look forward to reading more of your work in the future thank you, thank you for saying that thank you for having me this was so wonderful
No, this was, yeah, this was great. I really, I really enjoyed it. And you're welcome to come back at any point if you have something you want to come on and talk about. So, uh, Lauren, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.